Welcome to the Denver United Church Sermon of the Week. Here's a message from Pastor Rob Brendel. Good morning. Thanks for coming to church this morning. Thanks for coming to church this morning if you're worshiping with us from home. We're one family. We're in a lot of different places. Such is life in 2020. But you know, the Lord Jesus and his church, it cannot be stopped. We've been talking about it over the course of the summer, getting ready for church new year and kind of life reset in the fall. And um, we've been looking at Jesus' statement, I will build my church. Promise. No qualifications, no conditions, guaranteed. Now, no promises about your church, but I'll build my church. So we've been asking the question at a very timely juncture, what does Jesus' church look like? Well, this morning, we're going to talk about where we're going from here in building Jesus' church. The first leg of the COVID season journey was reacting and responding. This time, we get to uh, respond and engage proactively. And um, I think Jesus is in this time. He's not looking at it as a hunker down and just hold down the fort until we can do church again. Jesus has built his church through generations of difficult and unforeseen circumstances. This is just one more. And I think what is a setback for life in the world is an opportunity for advance for the kingdom of heaven and certainly for building Jesus Church. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to do a town hall discussion this morning as Group Connect Sunday is upon us, the best day of the year here at Denver United, the easiest way to get connected in community. We're going to talk about how that happens. We're going to have a little Q&A time. So there's a number that'll be on the screen. If you, uh, as we're talking, something comes to your mind, you want to ask, where are we going from here? How does the future look? Uh, When is the pandemic? going to end. The Lord spoke to Pastor Daniel. He has the decisive answer. Uh, He got it in a dream. He's going to tell you that. And anything else pertaining to our road forward, text your question and uh, Pastor Neil will moderate in a moment and we'll have that discussion. First, let's just frame this time in the word for just a couple of minutes. Do you remember February 2020? Like vaguely, it's, it, do you remember that Adele song? That was a million years ago. It feels like that, right? We were in a series called Disruptors, which ironically was disrupted by a global pandemic that I think nobody saw coming. And so our series abruptly came to an end because we had to figure out how to live stream and then talk about what was happening and where is Jesus in this and where do we go from here back then? Well, Where we were in February was looking in the book of Acts at Paul's second missionary journey. This was a part of our study in 2019 through the book of Acts. We were on the second missionary journey of Paul and just at the point where they jumped the sea from first century Palestine as it was over to Europe, the European mainland and the evangelization of Europe which followed and uh, to which we really owe our faith in Jesus. And so it was at that time that you might remember, or maybe you don't, maybe you're new with us since that time. You can read this on your own in Acts chapter 15. God spoke to the apostle Paul in a dream of a man from Macedonia. Macedonia was Europe. He was ministering over here in Asia. And God said, I want you to come over there. There's going to be this man from Macedonia. So it would seem who is uh, an emblem of God's receptivity of the the traction that the church was going to gain when Paul followed the Lord's leading. And so they did that in Acts chapter 16. Listen to what happened. We traveled to Philippi 
This is Luke, the doctor writing, who wrote also the gospel of Luke as well as the book of Acts. He was at this point traveling with the apostle Paul, and so he's writing in the first person. Philippi was a Roman colony, the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there for several days. Verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went out to the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening, listen, was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So what we find out, amusingly, just like the Lord Jesus to build his church this way, that the so-called man from Macedonia that so many theologians talk about that was, was presented to Paul in a dream turned out to be a woman from Macedonia, the first follower of Jesus in the European continent. Her name was Lydia. She was a businesswoman. She was evidently successful and influential. She owned a house. She had a business. Purple cloth was a high-end item at that time. And so it's worthy of note. And Lydia and her household heard the gospel, believed, having known God and worshiped him such as they knew to, they became followers of Jesus and promptly invited the apostle Paul, Luke, his companion, and whoever else was with them to their home. And the church in Europe was born right there in the city of Philippi, a cosmopolitan Roman city, Roman colony, and influential city in the region of Macedonia. Now, fast forward a couple of decades, the Apostle Paul writes the letter we know as the book of Philippians back to that fledgling church after it had gotten established. Here's what he writes. He says, in Acts, or rather Philippians chapter one, I thank my God every time I remember you. Who's he writing to? Not an individual, but a church. The church in the city of Philippi. Every time I think of you guys, you were like the first ones in Europe. I thank God. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because, listen, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. A famous verse there from Philippians 1, most often we apply it to our own personal spiritual life or, or the circumstances that befall us, that he who began this good work in us is faithful to bring it to completion. Certainly not an irresponsible interpretation of that verse or application of it. But I think as good and intellectually honest students of Scripture, we always must first seek to understand and apply the Scriptures in the context in which they were written or intended. And the context for which it was intended was primarily not to an individual, but corporate, to the church, the church there in, Philipp in Philippi. And he said, every time I think of you, Philippians, I thank God because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's writing to Lydia, her household, and the church that grew up from her home, and maybe it still met there, maybe it outgrew it and found a, an old hardware store to meet in or whatever. But the fact is, that was the community that Jesus began the church in there and in the continent of Europe. And in that, we see another important 
insight from the book of Acts, the first lap around the church building track of how Jesus built his church. Remember, I will build my church, he said, promise. The gates of hell won't prevail against that. Coronavirus won't prevail against that. A global economic recession, anything else the world can throw at you will not prevail against my church. And so we see how Jesus built his church here. His idea for the ecclesia, the gathering of the saints, his church, it's not spectatorship. It's not even participation. It's partnership. It's partnership. See, Modern Western culture has led us down a path of least resistance where I don't think anyone has done it with sinister intent, but it's so easy to experience church through the lens through which we experience the world around us, which is consumerism, right? They offer a product. I have a need or preference. I'm going to find the thing that best suits my need. And so COVID has only helped accelerate that trend because now instead of coming together, we've by necessity, most of us for most of the last six months have had to worship at home. So we talk about watching the service, spectatorship. And then all the pressure in this arrangement is for us on the stage to do a show that you like so you keep watching. And there's nothing wrong with liking shows or watching, but that wasn't how Jesus built his church. That's not the church that's going to sustain through a pandemic, and that's not the church that's going to change the world. Jesus built his church not on spectatorship, not even on participation, like, hey, Mari, Rob, Daniel, Neil, you guys put together something and call us when you got it, and we'll come in and, and we'll join in, we'll participate, we'll, do, we'll go where you're going, we'll do what you're doing. That's not the church. The church was partnership. And you're like, well, easy for them to say. They had been doing church for like 30 years by the time that Paul wrote this letter called Philippians. But look what he said. He said, I thank God when I remember your partnership with us in the gospel from when? Once you reached maturity? From after year one when you went through your 32-week discipleship course? From after you read through the Bible in a year? He said, from the beginning. At the beginning, it was Lydia and her family getting saved, getting baptized, and hosting them in her home. That's all she had. She didn't have a deep theological understanding. She hadn't fully grasped the implications of the gospel. What she had to give was hospitality and influence and a willingness to open her home. And then the apostle Paul came and he did the teaching. But the partnership in the gospel is the way that the church began. That's how Jesus built his church, and that's his idea for it. In 1 Peter chapter 2, another of the founding apostles, Peter, wrote to the young church, you are royal priests, every one of you, a holy nation, God's very own possession. You're not spectators, you're not participants, you're not under servants, you're not deputies. Every one of you is a priest. So this notion that we elevate the people who are vocationally employed in religious work, that is contrary to how Jesus built his church. Every one of us, we're a kingdom of priests. We who do this with our daytime hours are the administrative um, facilitators. 
to make the time that you have in doing your priesthood most efficient and effective and so that we don't reinvent the wheel every week, right? We're like the linemen. We block so that you can do the work of the gospel, but it is all of us or it's none of us at all building Jesus Church. It's a partnership, always has been, and I'm confident it will continue to be well into the COVID era and long beyond. Amen? It's a good time to say amen right there. Thank you, Eddie. See, priest Eddie knows when to say amen. (laughs) And as a result, Peter wrote, you can show others the goodness of God. See, there's only so many others we're going to show the goodness of God, and it's others who want to come into a church building and hear a church service, which is many church people. But there are infinitely many more out there, or at least exponentially many more. I suppose there aren't infinite number of humans, but exponentially more outside these walls who aren't going to darken the doorway of a church in all likelihood. But through our partnership, through the royal priesthood of all of us, that's how we get to show them the goodness of God. Each of us doing what we can do. Lydia, using her influence opening her home, welcoming the apostles to teach about Jesus and showing many the goodness of God. This is how the church always did function and this is how we're going forward. I'm so excited for the season ahead. I'm tired of reacting to COVID. COVID is not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Do you agree with that? I, by necessity, had to respond and react, and we had a week to figure out how to, how to use our iPhones to live stream, and then we've had a few months how to do it with much greater efficiency and less distraction, thanks to a team, these guys here, who you at home can't see, you guys can, ladies and men who are gifted in this stuff, who are making it possible for us to worship from wherever we are in our homes like Lydia and her friends. This is the way Jesus built his church. And this is the way the city is going to see the goodness of God. We've looked at COVID as an obstacle to overcome. As the boss from whom we have to take orders, capricious, last minute, and impossible to follow. COVID is not the boss. COVID is not even the enemy. COVID is just a day in the life of planet Earth, a day that most of us in the 20th and 21st century haven't had to live, but nothing near powerful enough to beset the church of Jesus Christ. And so what I believe for is Jesus taking COVID and harnessing it and putting a saddle on it and using it to ride forward into the next season of his church in Denver. And I think all of us are a part of that. Dallas Willard, one of my favorites of the 20th century fathers of American faith in his wonderful book, Renovation of the Heart, put it this way, Jesus did not send his students out to start governments or even to start churches as we know them today. They were instead, listen, to establish beachheads of his person, word, and power in the midst of a failing and futile humanity. They were to establish beachheads of Jesus's person, word, and power in the midst, woven into the city of this frail and futile humanity. That we, collectively, the priesthood of God, 
in partnership might show our city the goodness of God. Amen? So that's how we're going forward. In Acts chapter 20, at the twilight of his ministry, the apostle Paul goes back before his swan song in Jerusalem, and he swings through Ephesus one more time, another one of his faves. He wrote the book of Ephesians as a letter to this church. And he asks to visit with the elders one more time. And they have a tearful parting because he says, I probably won't see you again. And in the midst of that conversation, he tells them, you know, I have not hesitated in telling them how he built that church, reminding them of the way Jesus builds his church. I haven't hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and house to house. And therein lies our road ahead. Mari and Daniel are going to join me uh, and Neil in a moment. We're going to facilitate this discussion. And so if you've got questions about how we're going forward, how this is going to look, how is the vision of our church impacted by COVID? Are we fundamentally changing course or otherwise? Text your question in. This is our socially distant way. Instead of standing in front of you with a microphone, Neil will, uh, will moderate those and we'll talk about it. House to house and publicly. Jesus didn't build his church either through the service on Sunday morning or if unforeseen circumstances rendered them unable to meet publicly as a sort of sloppy seconds in homes. But they built the church intentionally, it would seem, proactively by Jesus' blueprint and original design, both publicly and house to house. We've built this church primarily publicly with groups meeting all through the week, all across the metro region as a sort of compliment. And in this season, indeterminately, we're going to continue meeting publicly as long as we are able. We don't know what the future holds. And I hope you'll join us like our brothers and sisters who are here this morning in the room. But we're also going to see how Jesus builds his church house to house and why that's so valuable. What do you guys have to say about that? How's this going to look practically? Well, as we um, have been talking about, uh, I don't know if you saw the video that we shared this week, but in Acts chapter 4, you know, uh, John... And uh, Paul and John had just been released from prison. Peter. Peter. Yeah. Well, Peter and John, sorry. Right. I get Paul and Silas and Peter and John. No We're both in prison. So Peter and John had just been released. And the Holy Spirit then begins to break out in the, spirit, in the building that they're in and begins to fill people with his power. And then right after that, it references the believers were one in mind and heart. And it says that selfishness was not a part of their community because they shared every, everything that they had, that they were in need of, they shared with one another. And then the last verse says, and great measures of grace were poured out upon them. And I believe that that scripture is not only true centuries ago, but is, is absolutely true for today. And I, I know that we have all seen that dynamic in our lives. I know you have seen it when you gather with the believers. There is, there is a power that comes not from ourselves when we share in community, when we read scripture together, when we break bread. Um, needs that are present are met. And great measures of grace, I believe, are, are available to us in this season 
as we begin to open up our homes in these house-to-house mm. -house gatherings. And we want everyone, I want to be a part of that grace that God has for us because mm -hmm. there's enough challenge that we are faced with that is discouraging. I mean, we don't have to talk about it. We're all over it. But when we come together in community, there is a grace that is not earned, that it has nothing to do with ourselves, but is given when we're in community. That's it. That's all the scripture says, yeah. that that grace is given. And so we're looking forward to that grace because we sure need it in we this do. time. So, Daniel, will you share um, how that can look um, for us as we do that? Yeah, absolutely. So, Rob, I love the words you're using here of how God built his church through partnership in the gospel. Mm. And I believe we have an opportunity in this season as the church to be the church more than we ever have and to mm. really embody that partnership rather than looking to the professionals, rather than looking to the corporation, the church, instead stepping into that and saying, God, how can I be a partner in the gospel? And so our, our heart and our goal in this season is to prayerfully consider how can we help you mm. be a partner in the gospel where you live? And so the way we're going to do that is we're going to have these house-to-house -house groups. And house-to-house -house groups meet um, primarily on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings, or maybe even during the week, if that's what's best for you, around the worship service. And what they do is they create a community of people coming together, not to watch the service, but to enter into worship together, right? Because when you're alone, it's easy just to flip it on with your bowl of cereal and just like in your jammies, like just watch the service and not really enter into worship. And so it, it, all it is is hosting people in your house or a coffee shop or a backyard, wherever is um, socially distanced friendly for mm -hmm. you um, mm -hmm. and, and, and basically helping create a mini service all over the city. And so we're, we're empowering um, current groups. If you're in a current group, this might be something that you're doing. We're raising up new groups that you can jump in today um, online. Um, and then ongoingly, we're inviting you to say, hey, could you host a house to house group? Would you be willing to open your home up to have a mini worship service, maybe invite your neighbors, maybe invite your friends into that place and just uh, lead people into worship with us on Sunday mornings. And so that's, that's an, an overview of kind of what that's going to look like. And I really think that God is going to use this to really help us take that knowledge, that understanding of being a priest um, and, and take it from our head down into our hearts. You know, if we're all priests, it makes sense that um, the church being built up of a priesthood, that it would also function structurally with a sort of constellation of mini congregations going in one direction. And that's really what united groups have always been. We're just sort of retasking the satellite to create an opportunity to worship together with the encouragement and accountability that being together provides. And that's what... what you do. Your work is all about that, Neil. Uh, you want to lead us into some of, the, some of the questions that are coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first question here says, DUC has a beautiful focus on being the tangible hands and feet of Christ to the community. How do we pick our engagements with the local community? Do parishioners suggest passion projects? Is our model ideal or would you like to see it evolve in some way? Yes, uh, it's both and. We pick our partnerships 
um, prayerfully and relationally. So rather than looking through the phone book or the internet for um, who's out there, we primarily lean into relationships, relationships with other churches and kingdom leaders who are doing work or a part of a work that we respect uh, or that aligns with our vision, and also relationships within our congregation. Many of our partners, both globally and locally, have come through you all saying, hey, we've got some friends or we personally are a part of or have been blessed by a ministry or an organization that's doing this good work. We then have the opportunity to follow that up, build a relationship, and develop a partnership. And I would say, may it always evolve. Let's let it always evolve. I don't think that the structure, the methods, should ever be seen as ideal, right? Um, The message is ideal. Like, the gospel is not changing. And we're not planning to change the, the message that's at the center of the church. The methods by which we respond to and express that message, those are always evolving. Yeah, and I think on a practical level with our go days, um, which are new kind of partnerships and ways that we're engaging the community, some of that is brought to us in this season, like people are in need. And so I'm getting phone calls from the community around us saying, hey, have you thought about this group or this group that's being neglected? But I also think we sit around and we prayerfully say, God, give us eyes to see um, the people in our community right now that need your love, that mm-hmm. need your care. And that's where, you know, honestly, our, our last Go Day came from. We've yeah. never partnered with um, our Do Good Day. We used to call them Go Days back, like, centuries ago. days. Um, do Good yourself. Days. Yeah, and, and it came out of a place of prayer. We were praying about it and just asking the Lord, Lord, who, who, who is being overlooked? And we've never actually partnered with uh, the... Uh, any type of elderly ministry or nursing homes. But we said, what about nursing homes? You know, they feel like impenetrable, like there's no way we can go into them and serve them. But so we called, we called all the nursing homes in Denver and we got 12 responses, 12 nursing homes that said, hey, we actually would love to do this. This would be a huge blessing to us. Here's what we can do. And so we mm-hmm. did that. So it, there's our ongoing partnerships, but then also some of that just comes out of need. And I, we're encouraging you guys to just even do yeah. the same process wherever you're at. Project Shine that Mari prayed about earlier and shared uh, a testimony from is another one of those that came to us by, by function of need and, and relationship. Okay, Neil, next question. Yes, next question here is, with house to house, I'm assuming this question applies, will there be a leader? One, two, will there be a prescribed message or format? Three, can someone host without being a leader? So I'll I'll take this one. Um, So will there be a leader? Yes. Um, So the person who is hosting the ideal uh, format would be that they would also lead. Uh, As far as leadership goes, though, this is very plug and play. Um, so we're providing everything for you guys. Clearly, the service is the focal point of the house to house. And so worship is there. The message is there. But not only that, but we will also provide group discussion questions. They're going to be available on the website each week that tie in with the sermon. So if you're hosting the group, then all you have to do is open up your home, welcome people, be hospitable, have fun, worship together, engage together, and then afterwards, simply facilitate a discussion. And so the questions are there for you, and then we would hope that you would pray for each other as well and support each other in that way, maybe have lunch or something afterwards as well. And, but yes, so, so to answer the question, 
Yes, that is the leader. That is kind of the prescribed message or format. Um, that can change. And, and if, you, if your group wants to do shorter worship time, then that's okay. Or if you want to do live worship, someone plays the guitar in the group, do that and then tune in for the message. So it is flexible as well. So we want you guys to take ownership in that way and then facilitate those discussions and diving deeper. Good. Oh, next question. <laughs> I always forget. All right. Um, Let's see here. Do you see things going back to normal when everything else goes back to normal, if it ever does? Normal in, you know, quotations. You want to talk about that? Um, all of our guests, your guess is as good as ours, <laughs> but as far as when it goes back to normal, but absolutely, um, we will be um, meeting together again in context, but our hope is that in this season, that we are refreshed again about what the, how the church began and who the church really is today. Our gatherings are the, the symbol of the public gathering that Rob was just reading about in Paul's ministry, but the real church was built and the numbers were expanded. It's, um, uh, Daniel read a passage last service that it says that as the people met together, God added to their numbers daily who mm. were saved. Mm. And so our dream would be that as we begin to re-engage again, remember who is the church? Us. We're the priesthood of the believers. You know, it's not just one priest here, whoever's speaking on a Sunday, but we're, we are the priests. And how awesome would it be when the restrictions are lifted that as these house-to-house -house gatherings begin now, as we begin to re-engage the church together, inviting our neighbors, you know, maybe right now you're like, well, I don't, there's not a house-to-house -house in my area. I think maybe I would like to start one and invite my neighbors and have a waffle breakfast every morning. They'll come for the waffles and for you, but they may not come to this church. But if we build these, these small gatherings of believers together, like the, the church, who the church really is, and restrictions are lifted, wouldn't it be awesome if we fit, that we couldn't fit in here because the church has expanded, God has added to their numbers daily? That's what this is an opportunity for, again, is to build the body of Christ. So. And on a practical level, to add to that, uh, yes and amen, I hope we do return to normal, but a new and better normal, because that's the way Jesus' church goes. There will also, I suspect, continue after the masks are allowed to come off to be people among us who are either health vulnerable or for whom... Uh, for one reason or another, gathering on Sunday morning or on Saturday night, um, it doesn't work. Uh, maybe it's because they live in North Dakota, but there's a pocket of Denver United because somebody moved and has been worshiping with us house to house. Our hope is that the church can continue to expand and be more borderless and that it would be a both and going forward. Our next question, how can we start a house church is there somewhere on DUC's website to register? And do you want to answer that? I'll let you answer, but first you have to go through initiation. Um, so you show up here, we throw a hoodie over your head. Sacrifice a chicken? Yeah, yeah. So, totally. No, very important. Yeah. The chicken and then is very after important. After that, 
visit the website. <laughs> um, no, DenverUnited.com, right there on the front page, there is a little button that says, I want to host a house to house. So you just click right on that, fill out just you're giving your information, and then I will be following up with you. And we will, another question here is about training and material for hosting one. Uh, we will provide training. So we're not just going to kick you guys out there. Um, we're going to walk you through how to navigate hosting and facilitating and leading a small group, just like we would our group leaders. And so it'll be kind of an open enrollment period for these house-to-house -house groups because they'll be starting throughout the fall. Uh, and so we will have training available throughout that time. And the goal really is that, um, that these be available to all of us. If you have uh, some friends or neighbors or people in your circle, uh, a couple of other families, if you're a family, and a house, you can lead a house-to-house -house group, right? So uh, think Lydia. You can't, you're like, hey, but I don't know if I know the Bible well enough. I haven't been to seminary. Lydia hadn't been a Christian for like a day. And, but you know what she had? A house and some influence and a willingness. And so we're not the Apostle Paul, so the teaching is going to take a massive step down. But on the other hand, we have the Word of God. So we're going to do what we do in bringing the Word of God and then empower you to um, connect with the people in your community. Yeah, I think one of the, in the early church fathers, the Desert Fathers, one of the, said the greatest, one of the greatest gifts the church holds is hospitality. Mm. And I think we've Love diminished that. that to like being a good hostess. You know, like you're good at Pinterest or whatever that is. Um, but the truth is, it is that willingness to open our lives and open our homes to others. And, 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 and I think what you see with Lydia there is she was, in, she was transformed by the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so she opened up and said, hey, I'm excited about the I gospel. That. I want you to be excited about the gospel. Let's come together and talk about the gospel. And I, I really think that that's what it takes is, totally. is in, in what we're looking for, for people in, in maybe it's you, um, is people that say, hey, I want to operate in the spirit and the gifting of hospitality yeah. and in opening my lives to those around me. I love that. You know, when Daniel starts quoting the Desert Fathers, it's about to go down for real. <laughs> yes. Always good. Daniel Nuggets. Okay, next question. How should differences in social distancing preferences be handled in an existing small group? Obviously with grace, but if they are vastly different, should the groups consider splitting to other more similar and precaution type groups? Also, could you could you the sermon in a format then? Okay, so sorry, the question ended there. We'll just stop with that. So social distancing preferences within existing groups. Uh, yeah, I think the great thing about groups is that they allow us to, to disseminate the sensibilities, right? Here, there's one sensibility that has to prevail, and so it's mine because I'm responsible for this gathering and then our, our team. So um, we've decided that for our public gatherings, we're simply going to follow the law, um, which for some is, is anathema because um, of one reason and for others, it's not nearly enough for another reason. Um, not aiming to be a legislator or a healthcare professional, um, that's our sensibility. But 
with micro-communities, we get to have micro-sensibilities, right? So yeah, I mean, I, I don't like to think of it as splitting because that sounds a little contentious, but maybe multiply. If, if, if some in your group want to wear masks and sit six feet apart and others have found a comfort level as long as it's under a certain number, not doing that, rather than fighting about it perpetually, maybe uh, let that be the Lord's leading to pioneer two house-to-house gatherings. And we're not going to adjudicate that for you. We're going to adjudicate it here in this space. Yeah, and and just practically, like in our group, we've got a varying amount of concern. You know, there's some people that have higher concern, some less concern. And, And I think just the important things in groups is communication. You have to communicate. You have to be honest of where you are and not afraid to say, hey, this is hard for me or or I'm struggling with this, and then talking it out. And that's what our group does. We try to say, hey, here's where I am, here's where I am, we're at different places of the spectrum. Here's how we can meet in the middle. One, we're not gonna control each other, but hey, let's, uh, let's be honest with each other. If your child's sick, you just let us know and let us decide whether or not we feel comfortable with that. Or, you know, communication goes a long ways, and so often we're so afraid of conflict that we avoid just being honest with each other. And I think that's the backbone in this season. We have to communicate up front and then, then um, be willing to uh, be sensitive to people's... Yeah. Uh, and we just came up with a plan. We said, okay, well, if this happens, um, you guys might stay home and we might come, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you might join us for the discussion over Zoom afterwards. But whatever that is, I think there's a lot of ways to work around it. I think the, the important thing is this. Community is worth pushing through the awkward. Yeah. It's yeah, worth pushing through this clutter. It's worth pushing through our differences to get to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that all of us have differences, opinions, but fight for this in this season that would say, hey, take the easy road out, just stay home. Fight for this. Fight for being in I community, even if that means you're the only one wearing a mask in your, right. your group because that's what you feel comfortable with. That's okay. Yeah. You're and it's an opportunity to learn to bear with one another. I was having a conversation with some friends right before service who were saying, Paul and the, the meat sacrifice to idols. He's like, hey, that's not an issue for me, but if that's an issue for you, you're more important. I'll, I'll, I'll eat vegan with you, right? And maybe, maybe some of those sensibilities transcend to this. All right, next question. How can you avoid forming cliques? I feel there is a disparity between leadership teams and the regular congregation. You want to tackle that? (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I think, again, like what we were just talking about, like knowing that, that we believe right here on this stage, the pastors in our community, we really live what we say, and that we are truly just here to serve, to communicate the scripture, and to, to gather, to provide opportunity, but we are all the body of Christ. We are all priesthoods. There is no division between any of us, and that's why all of us, most of us on our team, if we're able, are choosing to do our own house-to-house gatherings, and, and we're choosing those based on people from our church that live in our community, that live near our house, I should say, and it's not because we're like, hmm, let's choose our favorites. We're literally picking people that live near us, <laughs> and just a few, because we want to follow the standards, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I would say keep an open openness, too, about your group whenever there's an opportunity to include new people um, and find out ways that you can involve other people in your groups, even if it's 
um, doing outreaches together, doing, going and doing a, a, mm. a, a do good day together yeah. where you can invite more people so that it's showing that you're not just like in an exclusive um, gathering, that, that there's always opportunity to do things in larger context in different environments. So um, I don't know if you guys want to add anything to That's that. Good. Yeah. Um, next question here. If I still want to attend services at the building, can I rotate into a house-to-house -house group? I can take that one. Yeah, sure. um, so so the, the goal for these groups is that they meet bi-weekly on purpose. And so that on the off weeks for the house-to-house -house group, you can register for the in-person service. And so you can still come here as Rob preached, you know, in, in large gatherings and house to house. And so we can have both. So we can stay connected here for in-person services while still staying connected in a deeper community by doing house to house. Good. Uh, next question. Are there any plans to bring Saturday services back or expand the number of Sunday services? Mm. Um, so for the time being, no, for the fall, we're going to stick to 9 uh, and 1045 on Sunday morning, and here's why. The greatest strain in this season has been on our core team, and so uh, uh, at the Saturday night service led to creating a, a new core team or a new portion of the core team, uh, which are those of us who serve in, in servant leadership roles like kids and coffee. Remember when we used to be able to do that? And, um, and um, parking and security and, and so many others. And we've found that the, the most strategic ask for the resources of, of our time is can we host gatherings in our homes as opposed to um, having more frequent gatherings that um, take your time? If you have this much time in the week available to serve one another in the church, you might have a heart that's all week long. Um, is it most meaningful to try to reassemble a larger core team? And so what we're wanting to do is repurpose that goodwill that God's growing in us um, to have two Sunday morning services and house-to-house -house gatherings. The other practical reason is there's always, it seems, another shoe to fall. And the more we build on public gatherings, the more of what we have put our collective time and resources into building can abruptly grind to a halt. Once per calendar year of that is more than enough for me. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it seems that house-to-house -house worship is more other foot-to-fall resistant. So for now, that's where we're going to go. We're going to revisit that question, though, and it's a great question uh, at the end of the fall for January of 2021, based on the current circumstances, information that, uh, as Mari rightly said, nobody knows at this point. And we'll ask the question about when and whether we can um, add back Saturday and, and then progress. Our hope is that so many of us are worshiping together uh, that when the restrictions are lifted, um, the, the market demand makes that answer easy. And next question is, how do you know whose house is near you? And I can take this one. Um, so in our online directory, when you go to denverunited.com and you click in the group directory there, the group connect, uh, the house-to-house -house groups are actually listed by geographic location. 
So, the, so the neighborhood is mentioned. So it's University, or it's Southwest Denver, or it's Littleton, or it's, and so those are all listed. So you can find the one that is in your neighborhood and get plugged into that one. And also another thing that I wanted to mention too is that, and we said it earlier, but house to houses um, can meet any night of the week. They don't have to be on Sunday. Uh, you can meet around the service on a Tuesday night even. You can do that because our services are available. Uh, and so you can do that as well. So, um, but that's how you know where they are. Use the group directory. It's gonna be an awesome resource for you. And uh, then you can get plugged into one that's close to your neck of the woods. Well, and I encourage you, if you don't see a house-to-house -house group, just look for a group. If there's a group in your area and it's not house-to-house, -house, meaning they haven't chose to do the service, that's still community for you to mm -hmm. get into. Don't use that as, oh, well, there's not one. Um, the other option is then host one. You know, maybe you've got some neighbors that would come over. I, I, I admire Neil and Katie here because they lead by example. Katie probably right now has neighbors over at her, her house watching this service, mm -hmm. and she's got five kids. And right. also you can ask it's, us and we'd yeah. be happy to help you um, maybe totally. connect with others in the church mm -hmm. family who live in your vicinity yeah. uh, of the metro region. And then you guys can, can We can help. What is that? It's not dating, but like connecting you. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> We're going to set you up on blind We're house set you to house up dates. with people. It's going to be area. awesome. You're going to love it. Okay, that's a great segue. Today is Group Connect, the best Sunday of the year at Denver United. So publicly and house to house. That's how Jesus built his church in the beginning, and that's how he's continued to do it, and that's how he's going to do it through COVID and, I believe, beyond. And so um, look forward to engaging this way together over the fall. What that means for public gatherings, as always, just go to the website and sign up for next week's service. You can do that starting at noon every Sunday. And that, of course, is so that we can follow the law and track for contact tracing as it becomes necessary who's here and make sure that we have the appropriate numbers. Uh, and then, of course, if you sign up and something comes up or somebody gets the sniffles, then simply cancel your reservation so that you make room for somebody else. And then what a neat idea, Daniel, to worship together in a house one week, or it was Neil who said it, and then maybe come together uh, to service the following week. So the continuity of that community uh, continues both publicly and house to house. Um, let's see. Mar, you want to close us in prayer this time? And then Neil, give us some final instructions on on um, Group Connect, and we'll be out of here. All right. Well, Jesus, we thank you, God, that every miracle started with a problem. And God, as we're faced with problems in society today, we thank you, Jesus, that they are opportunities to see your grace poured out on our lives in great measure. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would give us ideas right now. God, put people on our hearts, even if it's just one family or one um, person that we know, that we can just say, come join me. Come, let's worship together. God, would you help us to live into what it means to be the body of Christ. Thank you for this opportunity, God, to rejuvenate our faith. God, to live in community with one another in your power. Lord, reading scripture, worshiping together, caring for each other. God, we want to we want to be community. We want to be the hands of Jesus, the, the, the presence of God, Lord, in our communities, in our homes. And so we pray that you would bless every home, Lord, in our family. Mm -hmm. God.
God, and that we would be these microcosms of this greater whole of unity and power, Lord, in this season. And we just pray you multiply it, bring people into the kingdom in this time, God. And we thank you for it. It is our privilege to worship you and love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've been encouraged this week. For more information or to submit a prayer request, go to denverunited.com. 